Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, welcome to OK-ish. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, and I'm so excited because I have a very, very special guest with me. Erin works with me over at Pittsburgh Therapy, the therapy practice that I own, and she is a complete badass, and I'm so excited (laughs) that she's here with me today. So thank you for being on, Erin. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I actually wasn't going to have Aaron on, but I was talking to Aaron about what I wanted to talk about today. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And I have so many stories to talk about. As you know, Aaron, this is our 51st episode. And so after next week's episode, the 52nd, we are going to take a break. So I wanted to wrap up the year of podcast episodes with some like funny, ridiculous stories. We talk about really, really tough things. I mean, you know, you're a therapist. We talk about tough things all day. And so being able to kind of bring it a little bit lighthearted to talk about, you know, funnier things and how ridiculous it is to be in therapy sometimes and to be a therapist sometimes. And I'm sure you have a lot of stories to relate to. So many stories. (laughs) What reminded me is, a story that my last name is Dance, obviously, and a a gentleman reached out to me once and said, hey, can I have dance lessons for, I would like you to choreograph a flash mob with the bridesmaids of my daughter to surprise my daughter with a flash mob on her wedding day to like the therapy website. Like, so my last name is Dance, but it says therapy all over the website. You know this. And I emailed him back and said, you know, I'm not Dance my last name. I do mental health therapy. And then I said at the end of the email, but as a mental health therapist, I would like to advise you to not surprise your daughter on her wedding day (laughs) with a flash mob. (laughs) I never heard back from him. So today we're just going to share some funny stories. We're going to bring it lighthearted. As always, like Aaron, I'm going to speak for Aaron and myself. We we care about our clients so, so much and we think therapy is so, so wonderful. But there's funny stories and we're going to bring it a little bit more lighthearted today to share some of the, the interesting things we've experienced. But first... episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off of your plate. You can just focus on creating engaging content while they focus on the recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 different platforms. 
So easy, log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, the producer of this podcast, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right. Thanks. Welcome back. So, Erin, how many years have you been a therapist? I have been a therapist, oh, goodness, probably close to four years now. Four years now. And so so that's not a terribly long time. So you're no. still pretty new. And just share with everyone before we get into things what you do. You've worked with kids before and you currently work with kids. Yeah. It, I mean, and adults and kind of people all over the the realm. I worked with people in outpatient, people in inpatient, so like hospital settings. And now I'm with you in the private practice setting. Which is so fun. It is fun. <laughs> and so like in your four years of experience, tell me a story where you have gone home and said to your husband, said to a friend, like, holy crap, what just happened? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like I could, I could tell you so many different stories that like, that take you out of the moment and it make me go, what am I doing? Like, what is happening right now? Oh, goodness. When I was in the clinic setting, so I did a lot of like substance use treatment and saw a lot of different people who were in a lot of different phases of recovery. And I think that like, brings with it different experiences. So one of somebody I was working with who was younger, who was coming to see me for substance use treatment for marijuana, we're sitting there talking about his marijuana use. And he looks at me and like whips out his weed pen and goes, oh, can I smoke this in here? No, no, you can't smoke this in here. We're talking about your marijuana use and how you need to cut back on marijuana and you whip it out in session. Like, no. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I've worked in substance use also and substance use is so scary and it's so humbling and also incredibly thankful I've had that experience. But man, some of the questions you, you get asked or things you get told. So when I worked in substance use, we had to do urine screens. The the patients coming in had to provide us with urine screens and mm-hmm. people can get creative with urine screens. So we had to observe them while they were going to the bathroom. Yep. And so I observed a lot Obviously, I only observed women going to the bathroom. So I observed a lot. And one day I had a woman come in who I'd been working with her for a long time. So I had had observed her going to the bathroom. And she comes in and she goes, Mary Ellen, I just got a wax for you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, nice. Right. But it's interesting the things we get asked Uh as therapists, right? And so obviously we are huge advocates. So I always err on the side of please ask me. The worst I can say is no. But some of the questions are are interesting. I recently was asked if I could 
call someone's adult children to tell them they should come to counseling with their parent. And I was like, "Mm, you know, no, that's crossing boundaries. You know, like I would be happy to talk to the parents about ways to communicate with the children. But it's interesting. It's this fine line Mm -hmm. between a lot of what we do is like teaching skills and practicing and things like that. But then oftentimes people kind of want us to do it for them sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of that. Can you do this for me? Because I really don't want to. Right? I once was asked if I would tell someone, someone's spouse that they wanted a divorce. I was like, "Uh, (laughs) nope. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Have have you been any, asked anything like that? Oh my goodness. I think one of the things I hear most often comes from parents in the like the form of can you tell my kid this? Mm. Can you you know tell them this is how I'm feeling? Can you figure out how they're feeling and then tell me what they're feeling? Or have you been told by the parents I'm going to tell you this but don't tell them that I told you? Yes. Yes. It's so, what do you say to people? Because this happens all the time. What do you say to people when they ask questions like that? My gut reaction is no. No, I can't tell your kid this. Why can't you communicate this? But you have to like pull yourself back and say, okay, how can I help you communicate this to your to your kid? You know, what's going on that you feel like you can't talk to your child about you know, X, Y, or Z, what's happening in your life? What's going on that there's like secret keeping? Well, and I think sometimes that's a hard thing about our job. At least I find that to be a hard thing about our job with like, there's a lot to unpack and uncover there, right? Like, what is this that you're trying to not talk to them and secret keeping and all of those things you just said. But sometimes in the moment, you just want to be like, are you effing kidding me? Like, really? Right. Right, exactly. No, I can't tell your kid this, but you can because you live with them. <laughs> They're with them all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I've had – I actually find it more – I don't work with as, as young kids as you do, and I find it more with adult children and adult parents mm-hmm. with like and, – and by adult children, typically like 18 to 25, and that – and I think that's – I don't have kids that age, but I've been a kid that age. And I know there was like a transition with parental roles and things like that. But I get that all the time, right? Like, I don't want my child dating this person. Like, can you tell them to stop? And it's like, well, they're 23 years old. Like, no, like they can date whoever they want to. <laughs> and so that's that's an interesting thing, Uh thing too. Right. It it kind of puts us in a tough situation to to walk that line, especially when the kids are under 18 and you want to keep confidence in in the therapy room but also want to help involve parents in what's going on with their kids. It it's a tough dynamic. It really really is. I actually just had parents the other day who asked me. They were like, "Does my kid just to complain about me in session?" <laughs> and I'm like, why do you think your kid just complains about you? <laughs> right. Good turnaround. I once had a couple who this was a this was a very interesting couple. It was a couple that I advised many many times. Like you guys, we got to cut the cord. You are very unhealthy for each other, and we just got it. You know, obviously, I said it more therapeutically than that, but 
They wouldn't. They're still together. And so one day, the gentleman in the couple came in without his wife. I, I don't remember why. But for some reason, his wife wasn't there, but he had an envelope. And on the envelope, in big letters, it says, don't open until you're with Mary Ellen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't want to know what's inside that envelope. Right. <laughs> What did you do? I left it up to him. I was like, you know, that's your envelope. That has nothing to do with me. Like, I'll leave it up to you. He he had a feeling of what was inside of it. So he are, he was like, I'm fine with opening it because I think I kind of know what's inside of it, which he was correct. But I had to then set a boundary with the wife and be like, no, 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 no. No, you can't say like this is – you know, and it is a fine line as we're talking about, because often couples in therapy, I will say like, you, you know, you can pause fights to bring them into the therapy session so we can make sure they're like healthy and productive, but also, but then you don't want to, oftentimes people try to use the therapist as like the scapegoat or to blame or, you know, right. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. <laughs> it is. And it's tough. It makes our jobs hard. (laughs) Well, it is. Well, and it just shows like the complexities of people. And it shows last week Mm -hmm. I talked about how people often use avoidance as a coping skill. And it shows just like how we avoid, avoid, avoid. And I mean, it makes some funny stories for us as therapists. Right. I had had a client once a long, long time ago who – so so badly wanted his wife to come to therapy like for herself like not even couples therapy but like for herself like she was struggling with some stuff and she was just like no 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 and part of the reason she was against it was because she had the stereotypical image of a therapist in her head right and she was afraid of being judged and all of those scary things if you've never been to counseling and so this this client literally asked me like can we plan a time to accidentally run into each other like in a coffee shop so she can like meet you and like see what you look like? And I was like, you know, I'm going to say no. (laughs) Right. No, that might cross a line. (laughs) No, thank you. No, Mm -hmm. thank you. What are times where, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but what are times where you're just like, oh my gosh, how do I even respond to this? Oh, goodness. Can I – I have a good story. Can I tell you one that really crossed boundaries and might not be, like, the most appropriate story? Yeah. That's a funny story. It's a funny story. So back in the day when I worked in an outpatient clinic, I had a client who really struggled with boundaries in session. And she would, like – she would ask me really inappropriate questions about myself and like kind of be off the wall trying to catch me off guard. Like this was a game that she was playing with me and and I had worked with her for a long time. And one day she comes into my office and she sits down and she's kind of quiet. And all of a sudden she looks at me and she goes, Erin, have you ever eaten booty hole before? I just like, <laughs> what did you just say to me? Did you really just say that? Oh, my gosh. It was one of those moments where I feel like the therapist just, like, drained out of me. And I was just like, what did you just say to me? I like, if you could all see my face right now, I'm, like, having trouble understanding and processing (laughs) this. I feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, so did I in session. I was like, this is, you know, we have been talking about boundaries. This is one of those things that you probably shouldn't ask your therapist. 
Holy cow. Right? <laughs> Holy cow. Ugh. That's what I have to say about that. Ugh. Right? I feel like I've had a lot of people like along that line and things are a little bit different now. But when I I started as a therapist over 10 years ago, and so like there was less like social media and stuff like that. And I've had patients come to me in the past being like, so I found out something about you over the weekend. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like trying to like kind of like bait me or goad me, right? Because there's certain things we don't share in therapy sessions that's not appropriate and boundaries like you're saying. Right. So I would have patients be like, oh, like I just met someone, like one of my friends knows you and like they told me stuff about you. (laughs) And I'd be like, I mean, first of all, I'm not that interesting. So like there's nothing really to tell. But it's it's hard because people, you know, we have all experienced that people trying to kind of like bait and like go to like take the attention off of them and find out information about ourselves and Mm -hmm. stuff like that that's not the Mm -hmm. most – that's not the most comfortable. It isn't. (laughs) It's not the most comfortable. And still like – and still I understand it because – People are trying to get to know us because in this process, it's really hard to have the attention on you. And if you're coming into a room and you're like, this is the first time the attention's only been on me and somebody's talking to me about me and I have to talk about myself, that's really uncomfortable. So often those those weird, uncomfortable questions come to us when people are feeling uncomfortable. Well, it's also kind of wild because it shows people's processing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm nosy as I'm nosy as all hell, right? We we all know this about me, but I also know how to like be appropriate or when it's not appropriate to ask a question. And so it is very eye opening when people ask us certain questions or behave in certain ways around us because it's really sad. It's like, wait, have you not been taught that this isn't? that this isn't appropriate? Have you, you know, like what makes you think that that's okay to say? Like, is this how you talk to the people around you like in this way? Right. So it is really, it's uncomfortable, but it's also really (laughs) eye-opening. Well, and it's also interesting those times when like we as therapists are just like, oh my gosh, I have no clue what to say. And how am I, I'm We have all had these moments where it's like, how am I qualified to be sitting here talking to this person? Mm -hmm. One of my experiences with that was I had a client or a patient many, many years ago who it was the first time I met her and there was something not, there was something off and I couldn't tell what it was. I wasn't sure, like I didn't have her whole medical history. I only had like part of it. And there was something not right. And this was in a substance abuse setting. So I was kind of like, is she on something right now? Like, is she under the influence? And she said to me, she was talking about like family issues. And she said, it's not my fault that my mom had sex with her brother. And that's why I exist. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those moments where in my head, all I was thinking of was, Mary Ellen, don't change your facial expression. Like, do not, like, drop your jaw. Like, stay calm. Because this poor, poor woman. And I also, it was also one of those situations where I was like, I have literally no idea what to say to you other than, like, 
I don't know. Nothing. Nothing. Like nothing came to my mind. And it was like so sad. And it was so this poor woman. And so I'm sure we've all had those moments where it's like, holy crap. What's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Have you had any of those like kind of learning moments of like there's a maybe somebody tells you about like a trauma or maybe the first time somebody told you about a trauma and you're like oh my gosh like shit just got real yeah I think that I feel like the first time I hear anything really it's one of those that kind of catches you off guard and makes you think wow people really experience some horrible things and people are so resilient that they can then come back and talk about it and tell me about this now. Like, I don't know what I would be doing if I were in your shoes. Right? Like, there's some, as as much as there's, like, funny, ridiculous stories, like, it's those same people often where you're like, holy cow, how are you getting out of bed every day? Like, this is right. incredible. Right. And I think authentically that's, that's often how I respond to people when they have these stories is how how are you doing this? <laughs> right. Well, and I think that it just shows us because I what I've seen at least is that people who are I mean, we're all resilient, but people who have gone through serious traumas and then are very resilient about it don't realize how resilient they are. Right? They don't realize it because they've had no other option. They're just right. like, oh. You just do. You just do it. And I just think that's so incredible. I agree. It really is. So let me ask you this. Have there been times where you've said things to people where afterwards you're like, oop, shouldn't have said that? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Do you have any examples? I feel like more times than I (laughs) want to admit, honestly. There was one time, this is a funny story, but somebody was in my office and it was one of the first couple of sessions. And usually a lot comes out in the first couple of sessions. And I checked in with the client at the end asking them like, how, how are you doing? And she looked at me and she was like, I feel like I just threw up all over you. And my response was, yeah, I like when you throw up on me. (laughs) And then I had to like recognize what I just said. I said, no, not like that. Like, I don't actually want you to throw up on me, but I appreciate that you you trust me enough to say all of that to me. That's what I meant by I like when you throw up on me. <laughs> leaves my office and I just sat there like, what the heck did I just say to this poor woman? What did I just do? I'm sure that was one of those moments where she's like, I know what you meant, but that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I once, a long, long time ago, I had oh, I had a client who he struggled with narcissistic personality disorder and he was such a good learning experience for me and such a test on my patience. And we actually grew to have like a really good working relationship and he he actually made a lot of awesome awesome changes in his life. But there was there was one point during that there there were there were plenty of sessions where he left and I was just like, "Oh my gosh." And I'm sure he was thinking the same thing about me. Right. But there was one session where he was talking to me about something I honestly don't even remember what he was saying and I was like, "Oh, you're such an idiot." And like as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, <gasps> I'm so sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> I was like, I'm so, so 
sorry. I was like, that just came out of my mouth. I'm so sorry. And thankfully, he was great. He was great. He was like, no. Like, in, in that case, I was acting like an idiot. Like, I was not acting my best self. Right. <laughs> so like that. But that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, my gosh. That was the worst thing you could say to someone. I felt – I still feel – like, even talking about it, I'm feeling, like, a tremendous amount of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and again, thankfully, by that point, we we had a pretty good relationship. And so he was like, I know what you mean. Like, I know you care about me and don't actually think that. <laughs> See, therapists are people too. We say things that we totally don't mean. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So just as much as we can kind of laugh about stories of people asking us like, hey, can you ask my husband for a divorce? We have plenty of stories where we can laugh at ourselves at it too. <laughs> yes. I feel like way more I can laugh about myself and what I do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, and it's, it's you know, it's awesome because I think I think one of the things, and I'm sure you can relate to this because you and I have similar like styles, but one of the things that connects us to people is when we say like, oh, nope, that erase that. Like, let me explain what I meant because we're, right. we're not perfect. And and I have learned to, any of my clients who are listening to this can, can definitely relate because I have totally learned to be like, okay, give me a second to think about how I want to say this. Like I say that out loud all the time. I'm like, hold on, let me, let me figure out what I want to say. <laughs> So I don't accidentally put my foot in my mouth. (laughs) And I appreciate that so much more than trying to come across as I've got it all together. I am cool, calm, collected all the time. Because, I mean, we we certainly do not have it all together. (laughs) (laughs) Have there been times where you've been really, and now I'm putting you on blast, have there been times where you have said or you've done something that was just like so embarrassing? Oh, goodness. You are putting me on blast. I am. I am. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know if I could come up with a situation that's like, that left me feeling very embarrassed. But there have been so many situations where I've left the therapy room and just like thought about it all night. And it sticks with me. And you know, it kind of perseverates. Like, did I really say that? How are they feeling? What are they thinking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why, like I said, with when I say things like, let me think about what I'm trying to say. Oftentimes, I'll, and I've talked about this on the podcast before about how other people perceive like what you're saying. So I'll ask all the time, like, what did you just hear me say? Like, I want to make sure we're on the same page because like that, you know, my intentions and it's not like coming across differently. I actually, I actually just had a situation with that, with someone where I used, I used an adjective that to you or me, it's just a regular adjective. But for, for some reason to this person, it was, it was a trigger word. And she like clenched up and was like, oh my gosh, do you think I'm that? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Oh my gosh, no, not at all. And like, thankfully, this person said to me like, hey, that adjective is like a trigger for me. And so we were able to talk and I was able to be like, okay, no, 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 no. This is what I meant. Like, does that make sense? Like, you know, and so Mm -hmm. anyone listening who's going to therapy, if your therapist ever says something that is like a trigger for you or anything, tell them because they may have a complete different meaning of it, you know? Absolutely. And it's so hard for us to know 
if you don't tell us. We'd all we can't read minds. We have no idea what we're doing. It, by the way, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just don't know if you don't tell us, right? Oh, well, and you know, I say this all the time. Like, you're the expert on you. I'm not. So, like, tell me what's going on because mm-hmm. I am not the expert on. Uh, I know a lot about feelings, but other than that, I'm not the expert on anything. <laughs> I'm trying to think of sometimes where I've been really embarrassed. I mean, it happens. I, I maybe I can't think of anything because it happens so often, <laughs> right? I know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have tripped like into a session before where I've like full on fell down because I tripped on the carpet and just like went down <laughs> into. A session. Did people like, like rush right. to help you? Nope. All right. So I'm gonna tell a story, and I cannot believe that I am about to share this to the internet world. So get ready, you guys. So when I was working in substance use counseling, as I mentioned, we had to do urine screens and I had to observe urine screens. So it was one day we did group therapy too. So it would be me and like 10 or 12 people. So there was one day where it was like five minutes before group therapy and I really had to go to the bathroom. And so I I went to the bathroom and the the toilet did not flush. It did not flush. And I went to go grab like a service staff or like a janitor to get help, but I couldn't find anybody and I was going to be late for group therapy that I was running. So I was like, I got to go. So I go to group therapy, and of course, I have to do observed urine screens for the 10 or 12 women in group therapy. So we all march on right back to the bathroom that I was just in, and I knew what they were going to find, and I stood there. Like, it was, there were stalls, right? So there were, like, three or four stalls, so they used the other stalls, but the whole time, they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe somebody wouldn't flush and would just leave this here, and I was like, And you know what I did up until this very moment? I denied, denied, denied. I was like, oh, yeah, that's horrible. Let's call a janitor. Oh, no. Now everybody's going to hear this and be like, that's Mary Ellen. Whenever there's somebody who didn't flush, I'm blaming it on you from now on. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I was like, and I tried. Like, it was just like the timing. I was like, I need a plunger here. Like, somebody help me out. But, like, I couldn't find anyone to help. Oh, goodness. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was really embarrassing. It was like horrible. I remember later that day I called my brother and I told him the story and he's like, I hope you just denied it. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was just like, deny, deny, deny. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, yep. So that's that. So uh, you're welcome, everyone, for that <laughs> So it's nice because, like I said at the beginning, there's so, so much that is very, like, humbling and serious and scary about our jobs. And I think it's important to be able to take a step back and kind of laugh at some of the ridiculousness of ourselves because sometimes it is a little ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Erin, thank you so, so much for being here with me today. Thank you. I mean, I'll see you at work. But thank you for being here with me today. And thank you so much for sharing that you're an okay-ish therapist. Disclaimer. 
This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.